I think the main thing I want to ask is, do any of us really want to see this? Um, yeah, I agree. This is the dumpster. Welcome back to the Getting Buckets podcast. I'm Ethan. I'm David, and today we're joined by one of our very good friends, Matthew Rotlevy. Hey guys, I'm happy to be on. Yeah, it's been, you know, we've been trying to do this for a while. Um, we actually taped an episode last month, but there was just so much news that we ended up scrapping it. But hopefully we won't have to do that this time. And I think we should just get right into it. So Ethan, you have some news about the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, so uh, during the week... Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan both tested positive for coronavirus. And um, DeAndre Jordan has opted out for the restart. And Spencer Dinwiddie still wants to play, but unfortunately he's exhibiting some pretty serious symptoms. I think actually as of now, I think he's starting to feel a little better on What's, day six. Okay, that's so. good for sure. But um, it's still going to take him a while until he does like fully recover and then even up to training camp late probably if he does actually play he does want to play which is a good sign so this is kind of concerning now a lot of nets have tested positive for the coronavirus like now and in the past so i want to ask you how do you think this is gonna affect our future outlook for the team going forward into the playoffs i'll let matt speak first i just want to say there's a video of karis levert at training camp uh i guess they're just preparing to go to war in Orlando, and he has cornrows. He looks a lot like Allen Iverson. I think that look alone is going to get us probably to the conference finals. Cornrows, Karras is going to be different. He's 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 going to be dropping like thirty five points, fifteen rebounds, fifteen assists. Um, I mean, I don't really think it's going to be that big of a problem having, um, you know, DeAndre Jordan being out and Kyrie being out and KD being out. Obviously, realistically, our chances for this year weren't really going to be much anyway because KD and Kyrie were going to be out. So really, this is kind of just like an experience for those guys to be in Orlando and play, and any experience for them is going to be good experience. Uh, But I have two questions for you, Matt. Yeah. So first of all, three of us are Nets fans. This is known. would you say that you saw this season going into it, even without Kevin Durant? Did you see it as just a dress rehearsal? Because that is personally how I saw it. Definitely, and I know that yeah. a lot of my friends kind of roasted me for it. Yeah. Well, definitely because Kevin Durant is, he was the key to the whole roster. Like he was a guy who would slot in at the four. If you have like a lineup of Kyrie at the one, Spencer at the two, maybe Karras at the, the three, then you would have KD at the four and Jared Allen and or DeAndre Jordan at the five, or you can have Spencer as the six man and Joe Harris slotting in at the three. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. So Kevin Durant was really going to be that key part of the uh, roster. So I think that every Nets fan and every NBA fan kind of knew that uh, this year was kind of just a dress rehearsal. So, so, you know, hopefully, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and DJ and whoever else got it will recover in time. Um, but it's not really going to be that big of a deal, I think. I'm curious what both of you guys think. Do you think that with so much uncertainty in the air that the Nets should be trying to compete, even despite the injuries and despite the decimated roster, do you think that they should be trying to 
pull off an upset or because otherwise, in my opinion, what's really the point of going to Orlando if your mentality is not to win it? Well, athletes so are always going to compete anyway, right? So not of if you're, course they're going to try and win. I don't know. I mean, you could tell that to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've had no interest in competing the past few years. Well, that's because they're led by Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and those guys have no heart. Jimmy Butler showed uh, the world that. Well, I, I want to say this. I do think that um, regarding whether or not if Spencer Dinwiddie plays or not, that this is really going to be a Karis LeVert showcase. Um, to me, that there's risk that he's going to get traded in the offseason for a deal for a really good player. So uh, right now he's going to have to make his best case possible in these playoffs and in the remainder of these eight um, regular season games uh, to show how good of a player he can be and uh, how, how much he could contribute to the team next year. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. I want to see how much if he can actually take his game up to another level. He's already really good, but there's definitely more room for improvement for sure, and I'm I'm kind of like anticipating to see how he's going to look. Yeah, I'd rather keep Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert over getting someone like Bradley Beal anyway. I I like Spence. I like Karis. And that's, that's a very that's hot take. Of, I would. I, would I, don't, I don't know. Look, I agree I, with you, I, but it's. Uh, I think people are really trying to push for that zero depth, uh, three stars. Dude, I I disagree. I we, mean, I think we know that, we know how that works out. I think Bradley Beal is is just too good of a player to pass up. Uh, he's 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 insane. But who are we gonna have backing him up at that point? We have some okay bench pieces. And it's also in order to get Bradley Beal, we basically have to let all the development we've made over the past four years walk. We have to let yeah. Jared Allen walk. You have to let Karis LeVert walk because they did not take team friendly deals. Keep in mind, DeAndre Jordan has a massive contract. Garrett Temple, for what he well, offers, Spencer, has a... Spencer took a team friendly deal. right, and that's basically going to help him get traded off the team for Bradley Beal if that's what their what their plan is because it's too friendly. A, a twenty point per game scorer. Which, granted, has not been shooting super well this season, but a twenty still a twenty point per game score with the kind of basketball IQ that Spencer Dinwiddie has. Okay, aside from shooting, uh, Dinwiddie is nasty, man. He's so good. Well, yeah. Well, so it's it's not just the Nets. Um, the Nuggets they closed their practice facility a couple of days ago because multiple players tested positive. We know that Jokic tested positive when he came back to America, I think, and then Pelicans as well. They have three players on their team who tested positive, and so I think right now there are like twenty active cases of coronavirus 25 25 out of out of 351 though right so it's a small number granted do you think that even despite that you know given the fact that florida is not as safe as it was when they made this plan do you think that maybe coronavirus does have the potential to throw a wrench in the nba restart it definitely has the potential to throw a wrench in the restart um, I think everyone knew that from the beginning. The risk is always going to be there about coronavirus. It's uh, it's unavoidable. Um, it's just going to come down to how diligent the players are going to be when it comes down to the rules and all the regulations that exist about leaving and entering the bubble. Obviously, we have our playoff guys who are worried about the NBA bubble. But then we have, apparently, we need to spread the love for the entire NBA because the toilet bowl of the NBA is going to have a second bubble, apparently, in Chicago. It would apparently start in September, right around the same time as the playoffs. I think the main thing I want to ask is, do any of us really want to see this? Um, yeah, I agree. This is the dumpster. I mean, obviously there's some good players on some bad teams, but... Like Zach Levine, Devin Booker. Zach Levine, Devin Booker. D'Lo Cat. Yeah, but these teams are garbage. I mean, the Warriors are 15 and 50. Like, nobody you know, cares about watching even... garbage right now. and. 
obviously money has to be the motivating factor here. Has to be money because yeah. the NBA is trying to secure that TV money deal uh, for all the teams, and they're gonna do that. And you know, I saw he D'Lo he put a hype video for the Minnesota, which is kind of funny because. Who the hell is hype about the Minnesota Timberwolves right now? They're playing for nothing, too, which is just <laughs> even more sad. Like, imagine just going to Chicago to play, like, eight games and... No, and you know you... what? I'll say this. And I, I don't... I'll say this. And I'm not sure that they're going to do this. If it were those seeds, like, whoever finished in that garbage tournament first got the number one pick, I would be completely for that. I think that would be a very good idea, and it's just another way to make things competitive and experiment while you can, because I feel like right now is the only time where people are going to be open to any sort of experimentation as long as basketball's back. So, I mean, to see, to see like, the Knicks actually compete for something would be really cool, because they haven't competed for anything in 20 years. The fact remains, though, I doubt that they're going to do that. I think, like you said, Ethan, I think it's just a way for them to secure the bag for the other teams to get the, all the incentives for having all 30 teams. On television. So, Matt, I'm curious what you think. Are you going to be supporting any of the teams in the Constellation bubble? Well, if the New York Knicks are going to be in the Constellation bubble, if they're going to end up playing, then I do know the one team I'm going to root against. Uh, (laughs) I am honestly just a little surprised at this report. Like, there was no... um, There was... There was no... um, I think we can what, agree nobody what, asked what, for this. Like, like not even like, like no one asked for this, but it's also just like, where does this even come from? Like, there was, there was no lead up to it. There was no, you know, leaks on like they were discussing this. Like, this, this, it literally just came out of nowhere. Um, but it's also like, if you're on the Chicago Bulls, right, and you really want to play basketball, just go get your friends and like rent a gym or something. Nobody wants Wait, to watch so, you play so right now. You know what this, so you, you know what this uh, means then? That Vince Carter didn't actually play his last game. Like he, yeah, he's going to play some more it's, games. It's like that meme. It's this like, is... Vince, it's time for your 4 p.m. NBA game. Uh, yeah, he's like waddling out of the, yeah. uh, the, the nursing and home. It's a, he's waddling out of the nursing home into the, uh, into the locker room. <laughs> yes, dear. And me and David recorded a Vince Carter tribute video last episode, and now yeah, it's like, damn. <laughs> our last episode was a tribute to Vince Carter, and, and we're just going to look like clowns if that's... Uh... I, I think you're going to have to take that down. Nah, we're not taking it down. But... We'll, we'll record the epilogue. To be fair, like, the timing is just strange. Like, you're going to watch the Timberwolves and the Warriors face off while the NBA playoffs are going on, really? Like, they're going to be going on... Who's going to watch this? They're, like, going to be in, like, the second... And, or third rounds of the playoffs like nobody it's literally for cares? betting dude it's like, like it's literally gonna be for betting it's so dumb like the only thing that i could see the nba doing to make it interesting is if that um like the teams that place in like first and second and third place each get like one two and three in the nba draft pick that would be like actually something entertaining to watch because then you'd actually see teams actually caring about playing because as of right now like I can't imagine anybody except for those fans of those teams who want to watch those teams play. You know, I always wondered, like, what if the NBA had, like, promotion relegation just like, like soccer in Europe? Like, do you think suck. It would suck, no, but do you would, think that that would, that would light a fire on some teams that are just allowed to, like, wallow in their filth for, like, 20 years? Like, the Sacramento Kings, do you think that if they had that kind of incentive not to become a lower division team that maybe they wouldn't suck so badly? Well, the the thing that I think is so good about like the NBA and you know just like American sports friend, uh, sports organizations in general is that there's like stability. 
So when, when you have like, you know, promotion and demotion, like it kind of, it, it just, to me, it doesn't. Oh, it's very unstable. People lose their like jobs professional. over that. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it also just doesn't come off as like professional that like you can one day be like a professional team and then get demoted. And then in two years you go and get back in and then you like win some sort of championship. Like it, well, it doesn't, it, it doesn't strike me as that they would even like, you know, deserve it. Sunderland, the they were a Premier League team just like ten years ago, and now they're like struggling to get back, not even into the second division. They like had a huge fall from grace, and they're like absolutely terrible. So, 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 what would even happen if like the Kings or, you know, like the the Bobcats from like two thousand four to two thousand, you know, when, whenever they got changed to the. Well, I'm only mentioning this because I just think it's interesting that like. You know, they have this consolation bubble, and I feel like if there's not a prize in the consolation bubble, what's the point of watching? I just think it's something that, you know, people are going to bet on. Like, the Warriors beat the Knicks today. Like, that that's going to be the extent of people. What No one really cares. Like, well, no yeah, one... I, I totally agree. I think that's, that's a fantastic idea. I mean, like, you know, why are you even stopping at whoever wins just gets the first place? Just, you know, rank the eight teams. And, right, exactly, exactly. You know, like the, the eighth place team gets the eighth pick and the team that won gets the first and, and then the, the also team. the guy well that's another thing that i want to talk about so we mentioned that the nets are damaged they could probably just throw their games now and tank and they'd probably have a decent shot for a top 10 pick if they miss the playoffs in orlando so they could really just tank and like try to get a top 10 pick well, isn't the consolation bracket the for, like only for the teams that? No, I'm saying, but even if they miss the playoffs, period. Once you miss the playoffs, you become a lottery team. So in the 2020 NBA draft, they have a protected top 14 pick. So basically, as long as they finish the top 14 teams, they'll get they'll keep their pick this year. So what that means is that as long as the Nets miss the playoffs. They would have a lottery pick that wouldn't go to. I think it goes to the Sixers. As as long as they miss the playoffs, they'll be able to keep their pick. Right, exactly. Now nah, we should push for the the playoffs. Why? No, like, I I'm, why, I'm positing like, like, it. I, I I never. I don't know what you think, I'm, Ethan. Because that that this is I think the interesting thing because the Nets, if they don't have a realistic shot, you know, there's no Kyrie, no Katie, no DeAndre Jordan. No, even no Nick Claxton. I mean, Jared Allen has no depth behind him. There's, there's two centers that they don't have. I don't even know what they're doing. They, they literally need Jared Allen. I think right now is the only center on the team. So they, they, they're like completely devastated. Why not just say, okay, whatever, take the L, show up to Orlando, go hang out at Disney World for as long as, and then just, is it competitive? Hell no. But if you can secure maybe a chance of like getting like Lakers level luck and finishing with a really high pick like they did last year. I mean, cause I think they had the fourth pick last year and they were like just barely a lottery team. If the Nets got a similar luck, I mean, are you kidding? Who's a number four? It's a long shot, but I mean, even if not, you, you still have a, a great pick potentially in a really good draft class and you add Katie and you get Kyrie back and you're not worried about the whole fact that two months after the finals are over, you go right back to the season. Look, these are all like hypotheticals, um, and by having the Nets just go and tank, like, you, what? So, so what if they if they end up with like the thirteenth pick or the fourteenth pick? Like, is that player really going to help? You know. Also, they they got rid of Kenny Atkinson, and he was really a part of that coach's development, right? Uh, or you know, coaching developing the uh, players. So now that that he's gone, and whatever replacement the 
Sean Marks can come up with, I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near where Kenny was. So I think that the magic that we were able to pull off with getting guys in the, the you know, mid first round, late first round, like, uh, you know, guys like Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, those guys, um, I don't really know if we're going to be able to do that anymore as reliably. So I think that the best course of action is just, you know, have the players play hard, have Spencer, or rather, ex- excuse me, have Karras ball out, have Jared Allen ball out, and just see what these, these guys can do. I, I want to see my team in the playoffs. I don't know about I, you. I agree with you. Sure. I I disagree with you, David. I think that the Nets should... I'm not for it, by the way. I'm I just think, positing hypotheticals I here. think the Nets should try to it's push for the playoffs. a stupid hypothetical, David. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the Nets should try to push for the playoffs. Um, let's see what we have with Karras. Like, give him a, a true like showcase to see what he could do. Yeah, because I really think that he's really good. I think, and you know, a couple of teams are having some key players that are not playing. Uh, Victor Oladipo just came out recently and said that he's uh, opting out of the restart. Mm-hmm. So potentially, um, the Nets are the seventh seed right now. I don't think we can move up in the standings, but. You never know. Maybe a miracle could happen where we somehow beat Toronto in the first round. And then, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I don't know. Dude, if Karis LeVert catches fire, I wouldn't put it past us that we can beat Toronto. Toronto, look, Siakam is, is great. They have a very strong roster. But Cornrow But they won't have Cornrow Karis. Dude, come on. Like, no one can stop Cornrow Karis. This is, this, but, is like, this is a different team. Actually, D'Angelo Russell even noticed the similarity to himself because he commented on Karis LeVert's picture, like, stop stealing from my bag or something like that. Dude, we and, should just uh, trade Kyrie and KD and just build around Cornrow Karis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very hot take. I, I think not, David. You definitely agree with me on that. Half. I've been very high on Karis LeVert's stock since he was drafted. I knew he was going to be a baller. I mean, do you, um, do you so, remember at the beginning of last season, like before D'Lo caught fire and he was the the guy? Karis LeVert was the guy, like uh, before. Yeah, he, he got hurt. Like broke. He his was foot. like, yeah, he was on his way to getting most improved player. Yeah, he was. He was going to be the the guy that Brooklyn was going to like build around. Yeah, I, it's crazy, but you're you're kind of right. And it's interesting that you mention um coaching for the Nets too, because I feel like while we're talking about the Nets, may as well bring it up. So, Ethan. Yeah, Wolves just reported that Jacques Vaughn is going to be the frontrunner for the Nets head coaching job, which comes at a huge surprise to me because we've seen him in Orlando for like, I think he was there for four years and he was not good. He was like 58 and 153 or something like a horrible, horrible record in Orlando. And yes, he is 2-0 right now with the Nets, but that's an extremely small sample size. So I was honestly really surprised with that report. Um, I'm curious as to what you guys think. Yeah, I, I wish we just didn't fire Kenny Atkinson in the first place, honestly. But, you know, I guess that's the reality of the situation. <clears throat> um, I, I, I am not, I'm not happy that this Jacques Vaughn, who won, what, 2023-15? Yeah, he went 58-158 and with an overall win percentage of 27%. That's really bad. I don't want him to be anywhere near our team. For what it's worth, he was also coaching the post-White Howard Magic. But regardless, I, I just feel like there's so many other better coaching options than Jacques Vaughn. Like, so who, where is who this are even some, coming from? 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm... But then again, who else would we consider? Tyron Lou? Tom Thibodeau. I mean, I don't want Tom Thibodeau. I mean, we just spent a whole episode clowning Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau was going to coach the Knicks, though. That's, like, already confirmed. I, Patrick Ewing endorsed him the other day. Well, so apparently the Knicks are going to have, like... They, they told um some, like, prospects in scouting. This is according to, I think, Jonathan Macri, that they're going to have three head coaches. <laughs> Basically, that they're going to hire some guy and two others. One of them will be the official head coach. But the idea is to just have a really strong coaching roster, which is just hilarious to me because we were talking about how the Knicks need to have one clear guy steering the ship. That's the kind of coach they need in the locker room right now. Like like how the Spurs were levitated out of nowhere. It, part of it came from having a guy at the wheel, you know, having the one guy at the wheel to take them out of misery. And no, it's the most Knicks thing to have three coaches, which will obviously disagree with each other and it's definitely not going to flop. We totally not gonna flop. That would never happen with the Knicks. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Any decision that the New York Knicks make is a bad one. That just that's basically just like um you're you're get you're you're guaranteed death, you're guaranteed taxes, and you're guaranteed the Knicks making a bad decision. You know, we we can spend more time clowning the Knicks, but I also think there's an interesting wild card here for the Nets. Because there's a rumor that Greg Popovich might leave the Spurs after the season. Do you think that there's any realistic chance that he'll sign with the Nets? I doubt it, but if that actually does happen, like that would instantly make us like finals contenders for sure. Easily. Dude, if we throw a fifty million dollar contract in his face, come on, like, do you guys really expect, or does anyone really expect that he wouldn't sign that? Yeah, just to have Kyrie say that I don't vibe with him or something, and then Kyrie sits out for half the season. The thing is, like, Greg Popovich has so much clout that he can just, like, bully anyone else on the team if they try and overthrow him somehow. Uh, He has so much experience. Players respect him so much that I don't even think it's really going to happen in the uh, first place. I I feel like one of you guys are going to say, bring back Jason Kidd, though. Is that is that a thing? I would not bring him back. I don't think he's the right guy for the job. On the other hand, I could see him. I could definitely see him as a wild card. If that makes sense. But I just honestly don't think that Jason Kidd is that great of a head coach for what the Nets need right now. I think the Nets they either need a guy like Tyron Lue who will just let Kyrie coach the team and you know whatever happens happens like just wild west it out, or they need a guy like Greg Popovich who will have the clout like you said and the leadership to take them to the promised land, which the Nets have never been to. They've never won a title. Let's not forget. So, you know, they need to have that championship experience. And Jason Kidd was not even able to take a team out of the second round. So, you know, for a team like the Knicks, I think it's better fit than a team like the Nets where their needs are more about winning now than winning in five years and growing with a coach, which is important too. You know, random thought then. So if if we somehow manage to get Greg Popovich, who do you think would end up being the alpha like in the locker room? Like, would it be him, Popovich? Would it be Kyrie or would it be KD? Because KD's there too. I think it would be KD. Maybe even Kyrie. I don't even know, to be honest. The whole KD-Kyrie dynamic is so confusing. Because they're also so, like, they hate the media so much that it's so hard to really get a pulse on what kind of relationship they have. I mean, we, we know they're good friends, but it's really kind of hard to understand what the 
with the lead, you know, and I think the weirdest thing is the cognitive dissonance when people talk about Kyrie Irving, because, you know, the media will say, oh, he's this, he's that, he's a terrible teammate, and then his teammates will come out and say, oh, he's great, you know, I, I remember there's one quote early in the season where Kyrie was talking about the guys that they have on the team, and he didn't mention Jared Allen, and so people took that as a sign that Kyrie wanted Jared Allen to be traded, so then they talked to Jared Allen, like, what's your relationship with Kyrie like, he's like, oh, you know, me and Kyrie are great, uh, <laughs> so, um, it's re- my point is it's really hard to actually read what the whole dynamic is and maybe that's a good thing yeah that's i mean i was just yeah that's something that that i'm like curious about because it's like you're you're definitely right that the media likes to rip on Kyrie a lot more and it seems like that the media tries to make him out to be a poor leader but uh Kyrie is the vice president of the uh players association for the nba and he was elected to that position so obviously he has uh, a strong amount of uh, social pull and rapport with all the other guys around the the league. Next year, though, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie is back, I I am like very curious to see, you know, which one of those guys are going to be taking like the last shot in the Eastern Conference Finals Game Seven against like the Bucks or the Celtics. Well, let's get there first. Let's get I, to the Eastern well, Conference well, Finals. Well, I like. Personally, I think it's basically a given if we get KD and Kyrie. And I hope it doesn't get to Game 7 either. Like, like whatever. So, so whatever. Game 4 and we're up 3-0 and somehow the Celtics or Bucks or whatever pushed us to, you know, a, a last-second shot in the, the fourth quarter on their, on their uh, home court because obviously we'll be the uh, first seed. But, we're, but all, all funny stuff aside, I, I am curious to see, like, how that, you know, ends up actually playing out. Like, who's going to be the top guy is is it going to end up being like a Kobe Shaq relationship where both of those guys should be the first option on their team and they end up just butting heads and causing issues for the rest of everyone else or are they going to be like LeBron and D-Wade and they'll just be like like best buds and they figure out some sort of hierarchy between themselves Sean Marks had a press conference earlier this week and he said that Katie and Kyrie are going to be involved in the coaching search no matter what the relationship in the locker room is going to be, it's going to be those guys at the head. I mean, they're steering the ship. KD was the best player in the world when he won his two rings with Golden State. Kyrie hit a huge shot, so they're definitely proven winners. But now this is their test to really be able to do it together in a completely different dynamic. No LeBron, no Warriors. It's just those two as of friends with their friends and you know with the whole Brooklyn apparatus. So I actually think that you know really this season for me. Is not that exciting because I really am just waiting for 2021. And, you know, uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier about um, the bubble concerns. And there's actually a couple of interesting quotes that came out in the past week about Damian Lillard came out in an interview on Yahoo Sports, I think. And he said that he doesn't have a lot of confidence that um, the players are going to keep all the rules regarding the bubble. And then Stephen A. Smith said on first take um, that. He doesn't believe that NBA players could go without sex for weeks or months because it's what they're so they're so much accustomed to it in their normal lives that they're gonna you know bring in strippers or prostitutes into the bubble or something, which was a kind of a funny tirade. But I actually think it actually brings up some valid concerns that um, to enforce these rules in the bubble is gonna be kind of hard and. Even when there's 100% freedom, as Damian Lillard said, that people still break the rules. So 
I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to unfold. I'm kind of curious to what you guys think. Well, that's why they have to bring the groupies into the bubble with them. Well, first of all, like, somebody must have brought up to Stephen A, like, yo, uh, I'm be real with you. I gotta, I gotta get my, my action in somehow, and I don't know how. And so then he went on first take and just blew up out of nowhere. And Dude, it, I, I don't think anybody told him yeah, that. He's definitely really not, not as plugged in as you think. A lot of the NBA players do not like Stephen A. Smith. I don't think anybody told him that. I just think it was a, a real like valid question that he has because the fact of the matter is there is a good chance that people are going to violate the, the rules of the bubble. So, And this is what I would say to the players. The fact is that if a player does get sick, he's probably going to be fine because he's very healthy. But I would tell the players that they should really just look out for their coaches. You know, Greg Pavlovich is 71. Um, a lot of player, uh, coaches are over the age of 60. So I would tell the players, you know, don't do it for yourself. You have your coaches here who are more at risk to to have, like, really a bad outcome if they catch the virus. So, Or even the players themselves. I mean, I'm reading about Spencer Dinwiddie, and, you know, he says he feels terrible. I mean, he can't get out of bed. And this is a guy who's, like, in incredible shape. I, I think he's getting better now. Um, like day six, he he said he started to improve. I, he clearly was feeling good enough to troll Knicks fans today, um, but you know, I I don't think there's anything that people should be taking lightly. Period, especially as athletes. Like you know, fine, you you may survive this thing, but if it damages your lungs, that could really harm your ability to gain money from the sport. And then obviously, we, we, we like I don't even have to mention, like you said, that there are going to be older coaches there. I, I just th- I just think that you you make a good point. I really think that. At the end of the day, what you know, maybe no one mentioned this to Stephen A, but I just don't see, I don't see how somebody could be so reckless and like you know sneak out of the bubble to you know get their action in, and that could completely jeopardize his team's entire season. Well, well, I don't think that they're going to even be able to sneak out because, well, number one, if they do sneak out and they get caught. They're not going to be allowed back in. And, you know, how bad of a look would it be if you go and sneak out for whatever reason and risk, um, risk you know, hurting your team, hurting your teammates? Like, like that. Other people like, who are not even on your team. Yeah. Because like, you're leaving the same hotels as them. Yeah. So, so it, like, that player would basically be seen as giving up on their, their team. So, so I don't think that, uh, well, that's definitely just going to be a big uh, deterrent against that. Uh, even if the player decides that it is worth it to sneak out again for whatever reason, um, I think that the NBA has enough safeguards in check and checkpoints and protocols, whatever, that uh, they'll detect when it's, like, about to happen. Because cause also, like, you know, aren't they wearing those, like, rings that's, like, tracking, um, you know, uh, COVID symptoms? Like, there's there's some sort of, like, also, like, geolocation tracking device that they're that they're going to either give to them or, you know, make them have their, their phone on them at all times and have location on. So they're going to be tracking these, these guys at, at all times. They're, they're not free in there. Like, this is basically an open-air prison where they're just playing basketball. Uh, and, and we just Except get they're making to, millions uh, of dollars, too. Yeah, and we, we get to, to watch it. And they are making millions of, of dollars. And, 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 and also they are doing some, some cool things with, um, like, social justice and... Uh, Black Lives Matter and having those those things put onto their jerseys and onto right. the the court. So so there are like a lot of good things that uh, is going to be coming from this from this um, bubble. 
And you know, while we talk, while we're still talking about the bubble, I think that so now clearly there's going to be a bubble for the playoffs. There's going to be a constellation bubble, and the NBA transaction window ended a few days ago. Originally, when we were looking at the transaction window ending, we saw that there were a couple of moves that, like let's say Theo Pinson signing with the Knicks. It was really kind of a non-move because the Knicks aren't playing until next December, supposedly. But if there's a consolation bubble, then all of a sudden these deals matter a little bit more. So, you know, we could just go through all the deals that happened during the transaction window. Tyler Zeller signed with the Spurs. Uh, Jerry Grant signed with the Wizards. Ryan Brokoff signed to the 76ers, which is actually uh, kind of like a significant move. He's like a 40-plus uh, percent three-point shooter, so that'll kind of help the perimeter shooting a little bit. Uh, Trey Burke signed to the Mavericks. Also a good signing. Yeah, Theo Pinson to the Knicks we just talked about. Justin Patton to the Pistons, and also Justin Anderson. Back to the Nets. Back to the Nets. Jordan Bell to the Cavs. And um, Luke Bamute to the Rockets. And Jalen Adams to the Blazers. So, so there's a couple of things I want to add here. First of all, I think there's an argument to be made that the Pistons are currently the most irrelevant team in the NBA. I actually completely forgot they existed. They've done next to nothing for the playoff picture. What about uh, the uh, Sacramento Kings? Yeah, oh, it's close second, but Timberwolves. you know the fact that well, the Timberwolves have D'Lo, so I can't forget about okay, them. Sure. I mean, even Blake Griffin is kind of just like he went from being like one of the biggest stars in Los Angeles to kind of like wallowing in obscurity in Detroit, <laughs> which is just kind of a weird, really weird like. The fact that he's even on the Pistons is just extremely strange. He actually had like a career year last year, but he's just been very injured this year. Right. He uh, well, that's what I'm saying. He was injured, so like basically there's nobody to watch on the Pistons. And in addition, Andre Drummond to the Cavs, who also added Jordan Bell. So now the Cavs have like five bigs, I think, just no plan at all. But the main thing I want to talk about is Jalen Adams to the Blazers because this is a guy who averaged like three points per game. I'm really curious what you guys think. Why are teams rather taking a guy on a deal like that than somebody like Isaiah Thomas or Jamal Crawford who are going to give you more than a three-pointer in a game? Well, I kind of talked about it before, but I feel like, um, unfortunately, Isaiah Thomas' time is kind of fast. Um, I think the NBA players kind of figured his game out a little bit. He had a lot of injury problems, and he doesn't really play a lot of defense either at all. So, um, And the same thing with Jamal Crawford, too. I just... Jamal Crawford is also like 37 or something. He's pretty old. So I think that uh, teams are actually were more willing to give a younger guy a chance than an older guy like Jamal Crawford, who's going to be maybe there for, what, the rest of the season and then retire, maybe. And then Isaiah Thomas, too, who hasn't really looked too great wherever he's been in the past couple of years. I think it makes a lot of sense for a team to sign a younger player who could actually like show Lewis or Promise. Well, this, is, even this, still. Is, this is still, this is like the... Uh... Same question, why Carmelo Anthony wasn't signed for the longest time. You know, all of the the fans are just like, are just so confused or were so confused why he wasn't being signed. And honestly, like, like we probably won't really ever get the exact answer. There was probably some sort of just issue or some sort of uh, thing that deterred the uh, GMs from signing uh, Carmelo. But he's been fine on the Blazers. Right, but but for for months he just wasn't signed. Right, for, for, but for I'm months. saying that that that's why I think how much of this is just a narrative. Let's say about Isaiah Thomas that he can't contribute because I find it very hard to believe, especially now that there is a constellation bubble. I find it very hard to believe that a team like the Knicks 
couldn't just have him and let him go nuclear for a couple of games. And by the way, I think that Isaiah Thomas is probably a better point guard than anything the Knicks have on their roster right now. So that's kind of my point. So I was just curious with your your thoughts on kind of narrative versus well, fact. If the question is, do I find it surprising that like Isaiah Thomas wasn't taken? No, I don't find it surprising. Do I think that he should have been taken by some team that could use some sort of you know experience and point guard depth? Uh, yeah, I definitely do think that uh, Isaiah Thomas would be a really good help for you know a team even like the Seventy Sixers. Like I, I think that he would be like a nice fit there. Uh, he's a he's a good shooter, and he'd be able to give like a nice spark off the uh, bench. Um, I think also we didn't really talk about it, but a really significant signing to me was uh Jared Smith to the Lakers for the remainder of the year, because as you know, Avery Bradley has opted out, and I feel like Jared Smith to the Lakers, you know, even with all the clown, he's been clowned a lot for what he did in the twenty eighteen finals. Um, but to me, it's actually a significant signing. I believe that J.R. Smith can contribute, and it shows that even though he did have that mess up, LeBron still has a lot of confidence in J.R. Smith because I, LeBron clearly okayed the signing for J.R. Smith on the team, and J.R. Smith has been posting a lot of videos on his Instagram about how he's been staying ready. He looks like he's in shape. He's been working out all year, and he's he's a very good. He's been a very good three-point shooter for his career, so I actually think J.R. Smith can uh, contribute a lot to this Lakers team that just lost everybody. I feel like he's actually going to have to, he's going to have to step up his game a lot for sure. I'm curious as what you guys think about that signing. Well, I think it also, to add on to what you said, I think it says a lot about LeBron and his style of leadership compared to, you know, the other GOAT candidates like Kobe and Jordan. Because I think LeBron would rather have a guy, even if he doesn't, let's say, contribute much to the team. And we saw this with James Jones, especially, even if he's not, a number one contributor, he'd rather have a guy in the rotation that he trusts at the end of the day to go to war with him over somebody over somebody who maybe is a good signing but that he doesn't know so well. I think that that kind of having JR as one of his boys who's been his boy for you know for years to have him on the team right now is going to be a huge help psychologically, especially going to such uncharted waters and especially with the fact that JR has a huge chip on his shoulder. And I personally think that JR he can't contribute because we have seen him develop into a really, really solid clutch three-point shooter, especially in the playoffs. He hit some huge shots for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals and in the in the playoffs, you know, throughout their run in the Eastern Conference. And I think that, you know, the fact that they were able to replace Avery Bradley so quickly with a guy who I think J.R. Smith was kind of in a tier above all the other signings in transaction window at the end of the day, I think the fact that they were able to get that deal done so quickly is definitely a good sign for the Lakers. Yeah, it definitely seems like now that uh, JR is replacing Avery Bradley. You know, the one thing, though, is the Lakers are going to miss uh, the defense that Avery Bradley uh, gives. Uh, Avery Bradley is definitely a much better defender than JR is, and it would be nice to have that off the bench for the, the Lakers. But there's just so much of there's just so much confidence that's coming out of the Lakers organization, like through social media and reports. It it really just it really feels like that this JR signing is icing on the cake. Like they're like Especially they've been holding private workouts. Apparently. Yeah, like like I it really feels like the Lakers are just gonna steamroll through everyone, whether they sign JR or or not. There's only one way to find out though. But while we're talking about the Lakers um, Draymond Green, 
uh, picked he picked the Lakers as a, to win the championship because he said LeBron is the most disciplined player the NBA has ever seen. Yeah. Do you agree with that statement? That's that's crazy. Like when I saw that report, I was pretty surprised that Draymond would say that uh, because I thought that they had beef. Um, it is it is really nice to see that Draymond actually does give respect where respect is due because it is. I think everybody does. To LeBron, it's it's definitely true that LeBron is the most disciplined player in the NBA. He spends a million dollars on his health and his recovery yearly. That is insane. He spends a like like think about that for a second. He spends a million dollars a year on keeping yeah, on keeping crazy. himself healthy. He's he's as close to like a cyborg as like we've ever seen. Like like well, his hairline for sure. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, um, uh, no, LeBron. I mean, obviously, I think it's not just that he's spending money; it's more of an investment because that's the thing that makes him money at the end of the day. So the longer he can stay in that kind of shape, the better. Because I feel like everybody when they leave the NBA, they get a little, uh, they get a little hefty, you know, the, they can't keep up with their diets or whatever. So you know, as long as he can, he can make money from his body, he will. Uh, that's and I would definitely agree that LeBron is, I can't say most disciplined player NBA has ever seen because I haven't seen the whole NBA. Uh, but I could say that he definitely seems like he has a lot of discipline and certainly he has these routines that he likes. I think that J.R. Smith signing is part of that. I think uh, he likes to have that kind of stability. I feel like that's why he was such a great fit with the Heat because the Heat is such a family-oriented team and he was really able to just be a basketball player instead of the GM and coach that he's had to be in Cleveland. So I definitely agree. I also was a bit surprised to see Draymond giving him props, but then again, I think that the social media environment, especially in the NBA world, is so toxic where as maybe 20 years ago, a guy like LeBron would not get nearly as much of the hate as he gets today just because everybody needs to have a negative take about lebron james these days the form it's, it's at least nice to see that he gets respect from the fellow players and i think you know um just two things that i want to end the discussion with first of all we're talking about lebron spends a million a year on his health the nba bubble in orlando is projected to cost one and a half million dollars a day so I think that just says, and I'm curious what you guys think, but I think, honestly, the consolation bubble is just more evidence of this. How much of this do you think is just really getting sports back for the sake of the people, and how much of it is just to make some money and salvage whatever they can for the owners while they can? Well, it's, it's clearly motivated by money. I mean, these the $150 million that it's going to cost over 100 days is going to be worth pennies amount to the money that the NBA is actually going to make from completing the season. Uh, and going through the finals, so um, it's gonna cost them. But how much will it cost them in the long run? Not much at all. I mean, the NBA is a huge organization, and they can easily afford this for sure. So I don't really see it that. I don't really see it being that significant. Yeah, you know, one and a half million dollars a day over you know a hundred days or so of having this season, hundred fifty million dollars. Guys will sign contracts that are more than that. Like $150 million right. is... But over a couple of years, really, not over 100 well, days. Yeah, no, I, I know, but it's it's still like, yeah, like, regardless, the NBA makes so much more money than what they're, they're putting down. $150 million is, to the NBA, it's not really all that much. Of course, but why I'm really asking is because they're going to be putting, you know, they're not going to be getting the money back immediately, and, you know, Lord knows how many people are going to be streaming this illegally. I think that 
what do you got are you guys concerned that given the amount of money that they're putting in to make this work that if the coronavirus does actually get really bad which is definitely a possibility given how it is in florida that the nba will not be incentivized to shut down once they've started well adam silver already said if the covid spread in the bubble is too much they're gonna they're gonna have to shut down the season so they will shut down if they have to but um yeah they're gonna they're gonna lose some money but again if covid does spread through the bubble they're gonna lose they're gonna lose on that investment but if they do complete the season i mean they're they're gonna see those returns immediately i right. think because everybody's gonna be watching and nationally tell I, I like the amount of people that are going to be watching the, the finals this year especially when there are no more sports on right now is going to be probably the most watched finals ever so they're going to make that money back very quickly. Yeah, there was there was also probably some sort of like clause in their TV contracts where they needed to like finish the right. season no, that's or, true. or they they, they that's needed why they're to having have, a constellation bubble. Yeah, too. or they needed to have like some sort of playoffs. So so let's just say that uh you know, God forbid they the uh, COVID spread gets bad in the bubble and the hundred fifty million dollars is, you know, just thrown away. Uh, I would imagine that it would still be worth it for the NBA to still go all in on putting $150 million to potentially save their season because I would imagine that the um, losses uh, would be a lot more than 150 if they didn't even try. I want to end the show just with, uh, with a brief question. Let's just be a little hot take. Giannis Antetokounmpo believes that this will be the hardest championship ever won in the NBA. Do we agree? Do we disagree? I agree. Um, I think what you're asking these players to do with coming off like of what, a four month break and then immediately revving up like a two week, one and a half week training camp and then going right back into the pl- uh, pretty much right back into the playoffs of like a couple of eight season regular, a couple of uh, regular season games. But what you're asking these players to do on a physical level is difficult enough. Plus the whole mental side of the whole um, coronavirus situation on top of that is going to be a toll on these players for sure. It's definitely not going to be easy. I agree with Giannis for sure. No fans also. Can't forget that. And no fans. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. I'm, I agree. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, I totally agree with Giannis. Uh, and I want to preface this by saying that I currently believe that LeBron is the second best player of all time. If LeBron is able to go to the, the finals, win a championship, hopefully there is no COVID spread and it isn't like along the way some key player on an opposing team gets it and is out for a series like like a, like a Kawhi Leonard or something like that. Assuming that players stay healthy and the competition is, um, is, is just as strong as it would usually be, and LeBron makes it all the way to the championship and wins it. He's he's the best all time. He's the best all time. No no one can you. even touch that because the amount of mental toughness for these these players. You know, for, forget about like going through the season and the playoffs and the off time and the training camp, whatever. Like everything else that's just happening in the world right now, everything else. And if these guys are able to power through that and do something great and win, you know, a, a big achievement. What what an accomplishment. I mean, also the fact that I mean, also the fact that 
LeBron will have gone to 10 finals. You know, 10 finals is not, you know, going to the finals is a big deal. Most players in the NBA don't go to the finals. It shouldn't be a slight on LeBron that he went to 10 finals. For some reason, it is. It's just a way that people hate on him. But he did go to 10 NBA finals, which is way more than Kobe or Shaq or Jordan or even Kareem he's, went. He's literally normalized if, making it to the finals. Right. It's like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the finals without LeBron was extremely weird. It didn't, it didn't feel yeah. right. It didn't sit right with me at all. I, I will just want to say that I think that even if it were a complete normal season, if LeBron won a ring with the Lakers, just to win three championships with three different teams, playing three completely different roles, from just like a complete freight train in Miami to this kind of all-around leader with the Cavs, to now just becoming this like elder statesman of the game, a, like a really a point guard, like being the, the driving creative force in the Lakers already with, with Anthony Davis, with like one of the best players in the game, which... You say what you want about Kyrie and Kevin Love, but they were not the caliber of star that Anthony Davis is. So now to have those three completely different kind of situations and win in all of them, I think would already make him the GOAT to me. Absolutely. But that's just what I think. Yeah. I, I agree too. I think if he does able to if he is able to win a championship and win the finals MVP, um, I think that he would without question be the the, the GOAT easily. And I just want to ask you guys this. Um, do you think the Lakers should be the favorite? Because they are the favorite right now. I firmly believe that they should be the favorite. I saw a couple of Lakers hype videos that they made. And if I was the NBA, I would be scared. Because LeBron looks more lean than he did during the season. He looks really motivated. He has some gray streaks in his beard, which honestly is, is terrifying <laughs> to me. Um, I swear, like if I was an NBA player, I would be shaking right now. Like... What I think we're about to witness from LeBron James and Anthony Davis is going to be scary. And I can't wait to watch it. And I just think it's going to be a really amazing conclusion to this season. You say what you want about the Lakers. I think that just given the amount of uncertainty in this season, I really would not be surprised to see a bunch of upsets on the way. No fans. Home court advantage doesn't really exist. Uh, Other than the fact that they might actually just give someone their own home court on the floor for a game. Other than that, I don't think that there's really going to be any inherent advantages. So. It's just going to be these seven-game series, and I think that the upsets are going to be incredible to watch. Either way, this is shaping up to be one of the most interesting sports seasons in a very long time, and uh, I just can't wait to watch it. Thank you for listening to the Getting Buckets podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Matt. You can follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, thank you guys for the support. Our Twitter account almost has 300 followers. At GetBucketPod. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.